This episode has discussion around sexual assault. If that's not something you want to listen to, this might be one to skip. And you're listening to Out of Our Vulcan Minds. So we just watched episode five, The Enemy Within. It was a very different episode to the previous episodes that we've watched. I wouldn't describe this one as fun. So. It's not a fun app. No. It's uh, it's it's an episode for the thinking man. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Neither of which is. <laughs> Does it, neither of those words describe either of us. Yes. Um, so that's why it's going to be interesting to listen to us <laughs> yep. describe what this, this episode was about. So for those of you playing at home, the episode is essentially the crew are on an alien spaceship. And planet. planet. Oh, shit. They're on a spaceship. They're, they're on, on their own spaceship. They're on their own spaceship. And then they're on an alien planet doing some science bullshit. Who cares? And uh, one crew member comes up, he's got like a weird oar on his shirt, like, because he fell down and cut his hand and no one cares. Everyone makes fun of him. Mm. And that fucks up the transporter, the thing that zaps people back onto the ship. Uh, And basically, long story short, there ends up being two Kirks. Kirks get split into two people. One is like nice Kirk and one is evil Kirk and chaos ensues. It certainly does. Yeah. Well, with that, shall we do our deep dive into the, into the into the full episode? Let's do a deep dive into the full episode. Um, this was maybe this was another really kind of like a, a logical kind of ethics problem episode. More so than any of the previous ones, mm. I think it did it a lot better. It was better because the only other sort of ethics ones that I was thinking of was Charlie X. Yeah. And that was about, you know, like, what do we do with this weird kid? Whereas this one's like, what is a person? And like, so when uh, Kirk gets zapped onto the ship, there's sort of like nice Kirk, who's like nice and polite. And then there's evil Kirk, who's like an alcoholic and a sex pest. Um, And that's a really interesting dichotomy to like divide up a person into two halves like that. And like... I want to cut to sort of the most problematic and most, like, terrifying scene. But, like, should I don't know if we should go through, like, plot by plot. Um, so, we open in... So, this is the thing. It kind of tricks you into thinking it's a cute episode. A yeah. cute, funny episode. Because the first shot is Sulu on this alien planet holding a dog in a monster suit. And it's, like, a little <laughs> terrier in this, like, fluffy suit. And it's got a horn. Yep, and, and a big tail. A big tail. And it's clearly looking at all the camera crew, like, what am I doing here? And and so, just, like, looking at the synopsis here, they're on a geological exploration, but they're like, hey, we found this goofy alien dog, so let's take that back, I guess. <laughs> Can I keep it? Can I keep it? Can I keep it, please? It's following me. I promise. I'll feed it every day. I'll okay, love it for my whole so life. Because you've been such a good boy. <laughs> Out on the bum. Patting on the bum is going to be a a running theme. Um, And the dog ends up being split in half into its evil self and its good self as well. Yeah. Although, a fair fair bit later, actually. It's like like the first clue that there's something up with... um, The transporter. Yeah. Well, we we do see two Kirks, but um, the dog is the clue of, like, one of them's 
really chill and nice and a good papa, but one of them's a bad doggo. Bad doggo? Yeah. Not oh. a good doggo rumbo. Oh, he borks at us. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. He does a bork bork. Woof, woof, woof. That's what he did. <laughs> we're millennials we have to we gotta do it um yeah yeah so while they're down there some dudes just like gets smeared with yellow stuff mm-hmm. um chief no what's his name geological technician fisher mm-hmm. do bear in mind that the enterprise is primarily a scientific exploration vessel you wouldn't know no <laughs> by the actual stuff they get up to <laughs> it's a lot of fighting um mm. but starfleet's like Okay, so Starfleet's the organization they work for, mm-hmm. and it's like a hybrid military science exploration organization. And that's basically their job, is to explore and shoot shit and look at cool rocks. Okay. I feel like we need to have some sort of section where we put all of the lore of the world into yes. like a little section, and you can just tell me how it actually works. Because I do have a couple of questions about that. So you're saying that, like, in this, what what's it called? It Gay space communism. Fully automated. Well, that's not the term the show uses. No, I know. <laughs> what is it? Fully automated. Luxury gay space communism. Okay. But in that fully automated luxury gay space communism, there's still a, um, like, a military. I mean, in a sense, like, have we... I don't know if we've seen it so far. I can't recall. But the Enterprise is armed with phasers and torpedoes. Phases are just a made-up word, though. It's 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 a laser. Uh huh. But, but not... why don't they just say laser? I don't. Why do they say know. phaser? Because phaser's better. Somehow. There is a lot of tech talk yes. in this. Like, there's one thing where he's like, when they are figuring out that there's something wrong with the teleporter with Kirk, they're like, oh no, the the Cajun phaser warp is not working. Yeah. And you were like, oh yeah. And I was like, how do you, what was it? Do you remember what it was? It was okay, like, so that's not a word that ever comes up again. Uh-huh. But a word they often use in later series to talk about transporters is a pattern buffer. And that basically just stores your, like, how you're built in the machine and then reassembles you elsewhere. Yeah. You said that. Because when they were trying to fix the problem, we're jumping towards the end, but when they're, like, trying to put Kirk back together, spoiler, um, you're like, oh, yeah, he's just... He's just hanging out in the pattern buffer. And I'm like, one, how do you know that? Two, how do you how do you recall that later on? There are certain things that are like ubiquitous throughout the Star Trek universe, and one of those is transporter problems. Uh-huh. Like it causes a shocking amount of issues. It's not reliable technology. Uh-huh. There's so many stories that are like, whoops, this person's inside out because of a transporter. Oh. Well, that's in one of the movies. That's and it's, so horrifying. It is actually horrific when that happens. Why are you laughing then? Because it's... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but like... Okay, is there anything else? There's a lot of text talk. There's Mm -hmm. the the weird dog alien. Is there any other sort of like... Bits of the world that are relevant to there? Not really. Because Mm -hmm. the thing about these first few episodes is they do little... Very little like establishment of the universe in which... The Enterprise exists. Like, there's so little mention mm. of the... I don't think they've even referenced the Federation. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure, but... No, they... Ha- they And I think when we were watching one of the earlier episodes, I was like, what are they... What What are they all about? What company do they work for? Like, who's who's funding this? Well, I want to know about the... Corporations, corporations have been abolished. Uh-huh. No more capitalism. No more mm-hmm. private interests, which is top. Which is great, but they've still got a lot of other problems that they need to overcome. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole point of the show is just like exploration of, you know, it's it's all in it's all in the intro. It's like, um, you know, uh, seek out new life and new civilizations, explore strange new worlds, mm-hmm. um, because because they live in a post scarcity society. Nobody has to like, nobody has to go and work at a call center to get money to survive. That seems very specific example. Oh, that's uh, a very specific workplace. I just pulled out any old thing any that's old like thing. a horrifying job that no one likes. <laughs> that's certainly not something that you and I have had experience with, is it? Oh, God oh, forbid. No. Uh, to anyone who might want to employ me, I have an excellent phone manner. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I got a job through the pod. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'll just keep spruiking my many skills. Yeah. One per app. Yeah. I think I'm running out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not going to be a long-lasting segment. <laughs> Ba-boom. You're so rude to me. I'm repaying 10 years of friendship with this. <laughs> I think people are going to, like, just figure out that I am. I can be a bit of a bully. <laughs> but I don't think I've bullied you on the pod yet. I haven't really pulled out the big guns. No, so from the listener's perspective, I'm the bully. You're the bully. Uh-oh. They're going to come for you. No, everyone trust me, I'm really mild-mannered. I'm such a pushover. <laughs> Sure, Jan. Shout at me on Twitter and like I'll I'll you know I'll change this podcast for whatever you guys say. <laughs> this is gonna become a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> um. Anyway, back to the app. What were back we? Where were we? So we'd only just sort of <clears throat> got. He's gotten back to the ship. He's been split in half. This isn't a super structured. Like, I feel like with a lot of the previous episodes lots happens mm-hmm. and lot there's lots of twists and turns and like things change and this happens and that happens i feel like in this episode not a lot happens um because it's more or less like there's good kirk and then there's bad kirk mm. and bad kirk does some really awful shit and he's based bad kirk is essentially when he first gets split they think that bad kirk is like polar opposite kirk yeah. So there's like original Kirk and then there's like dark Kirk. Kirk original and new Kirk. Yeah. Oh my God, that works so well. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone hates new Kirk. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that a reference to Star Trek episode? N- no, no. You remember like when Coke made Coke new in the 90s and everyone hated it? You mean when I was an infant? I was an infant too. <laughs> I just know about pop culture. Uh, I'm, I'm youthful. I was I was born in the '90s. I'm still young and and relevant. Um, <laughs> but um, and but it turns out that's not the case. That he's kind of been split into like his own inner dark self and then mm. his own inner like good self. Yeah. So it's his. It's his like it's. It's like his id has he, been separated. Inner alt right and his inner soy boy. <laughs> <laughs> we should call them the there's red pill Kirk and then there's soy boy Kirk. Yeah. And so you originally think like, oh that's great, like good Kirk is good, but like it turns out that good Kirk is a bit of a wimp and like can't make gut decisions and can't be a leader because he doesn't have that strength. And bad Kirk is just like a bad guy. So bad Kirk gets onto the ship and he goes straight to the doctor. The doctor and demands brandy. Sorry and brandy. And like mm-hmm. We see, like, 20 minutes later, he has chugged... It's a big bottle, and he's chugged a lot Most of it. Most of it, yeah. Like, I'd say about at least 80% of the bottle. So, um, uh, Red Pill Kirk is, like, balls to the walls, like, off his brain. Mm-hmm. Off his brain? Is that the face? What's... Off his face. Off his face. Yeah. And his brain. That's how drunk he is. And speaking of his face, we are really jumping around. Oh, here. yes, yes! He's, he's so... He's got much more eyeliner than, than regular Kirk, and, like, mm. a little bit of eyeshadow as well, and... 
It's way more foundation as well. Like, yeah. It's smoother. I mean, even put some more on later, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, it reminds me of, um, what was that Spider-Man? Um, Spider-Man 3. Yeah. When the Venom symbiote gets to him. How do you remember that? How do you remember that? My brain is perfectly formed for um, accumulating like facts about. Yeah, and you know when he becomes dark Spider Man, it's like Mm. that. Mm. But he doesn't do a fun dance. He doesn't do a fun. No, you're right. He doesn't do a fun dance. But he like scampers around. He does scamper around. (laughs) Again, William Shatner does. Oh, William Shatner still doesn't know how to move like a person when he's sneaking around, which we'll get to. But like William Shatner is acting the hell out of evil Kirk. He's crazy. He's a oh, crazy man. He's pulling crazy faces. He's like running around. <laughs> you just did the face, but this is a, a, a purely audio. <laughs> it was just for you. <laughs> just for me, a little special person. Yeah, just there you for go. Me. Um, but he's acting the hell out of it. It's very absurdist. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, spinning around and like skulking about and doing some really strong movement work. It's um, it's very um, it's it's very Jekyll and Hyde. Mm, yeah. If if it's not quite Jekyll and Hyde, obviously, because there's the original, well, not original Kirk, but there's, you know, there's like a counterpoint to Hyde. Yeah. But yeah, he's very, he's like, he's like barely more than an animal. This evil Kirk. Yeah. So evil Kirk is essentially like the like the animalistic kind of pure id. Yeah. So he's like, I want brandy. And then his second point of call after getting brandy <coughs> is to go and visit Yeoman Rand, who's already, already at this point gone through so much shit. Yeah. So much shit. And this, I think, is the only point in Star Trek that I found, like, genuinely frightening. Because, like, he walks into Yeoman Rand's, like, private quarters and she's like, hey, what's up, Kirk? Like, you're my boss. What's going on? And it's just really horrifying because he walks in and just goes like, let's not pretend anymore. Like, you know, we're attracted to each other. And she's like, no, no. And then he like attacks her like Mm -hmm. full on. Like, it's so graphic. Like he grabs her and pulls her in and full on like, like makes out with her face, like open mouth onto her face. Um, Like throws her onto the floor and like pins her arms down and she only manages to get away because she like scratches his face and that other guy comes in and like catches yeah. him and she goes, call Mr. Spock because he's the only fucking reliable guy on this ship anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's really confronting. It's really graphic and she really gets thrown around and she really, you can see how uncomfortable and un- how frightened she is. It's probably one of the scariest moments and I don't think it was meant to be the peak. Oh, I, I think, I feel like it was supposed to be pretty unpleasant. Like, yeah, like it's, it's a genuinely frightening moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely is supposed to be. Um, so looking this up, Grace Lee Whitney, who plays Yeoman Rand, mm-hmm. she, she, she's, her autobiography talks a lot about her work in Star Trek. Um, she, she did really like this episode because I think she she really liked acting against um, William Shatner being crazy Kirk and everything. Mm. Um, you know, it gave her something different too. But yeah, no, no, it's it's it it is very frightening mm. um, the way he behaves. Um, and like, it's a '60s show, and they're not gonna like it's not gonna be like Game of Thrones where they've you know got 
sexual assault just like straight up on the TV. But like he, he, he gets close and it's still quite hard to watch. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable to watch. And she doesn't get a lot of... Valid- no. She doesn't get a lot of um, val- validation. And Grace Lee Winnie also had thoughts about the ending, which yes. which again we'll, we'll we'll get to. But yeah, no, definitely, it's it's not a great resolution for Yeoman Rand's experiences in this episode. Well, I think we can say like at the end, like Spock and Kirk are kind of more like, huh, crazy that that happened, right? Huh, what? Why? How was that? And she was like, uh, what did she say about that ending? Um. Okay, so well, the line that Spock gives is he makes he makes like a kind of like you know, nudge nudge comment about like the imposter had some very interesting qualities, wouldn't you say? Mm. And like, so I'm just gonna read from her autobiography. Um, she said, "I can't imagine any more cruel and insensitive comment a man or Vulcan could make to a woman who's just been through a sexual assault." So yeah, so so and it's also really weird for Mister Spock, who up until this point's been really cool, but like you know, skipping ahead a bit in, in that um, section, she says, yeah, so we get a leering Mr. Spock who suggests that Yeoman Rand enjoyed the, you know, assault and, and found evil Kirk attractive. Um, mm. And it's a really, yeah, it's it's a really bad ending. And, it's um, awful. And, like, it did, like... Because, you know, there is the resolution. I mean, just to jump, they do put him back together, like evil, evil Kirk and, and good Kirk. Um, and there is an implication that, you know, that is always inside of Kirk, but good Kirk is able to keep it in check. And, like, we know that he's already got, like, the hots for Yeoman Rand. But, like, it was kind of always couched in this sort of innocent kind of longing in previous episodes. They're like, oh, I love Yeoman Rand, but I never Mm. could. But this was, like, horrific and graphic. I think we need to put some sort of warning at the beginning of this episode that we're talking about. Yeah, maybe. I think we will. But, like... it was a really troubling story arc for you. Another one. Because it's a similar thing that happened with Charlie X. And you can kind of excuse it a little bit because, like, Charlie X was never super, like, graphic or attack-y towards Yeoman Rand. But there was still that sort of, like, smurf, like, haha, like, Yeoman Rand mm-hmm. always gets hit on by creepy dudes. And then it's happened to her again. Like, I really feel for her in this... And then when she's talk- reporting the assault to command Kirk is in the room and they haven't figured out that it's evil Kirk yet and she's like you attacked me and Kirk's like no I didn't like what are you talking about I'm right here yeah and everyone else is like why was he in the room it was such a weird choice yeah like overall it's obviously you know they go on on and on about how this Kirk is doing evil things he's the evil Kirk he's capable of evil things so it's clear that they are aware that that behavior is evil but like with Charlie X, there were just moments where they didn't quite address the subject matter as well as they should have. Because, mm. um, again, Charlie X, again, it's, you know, the whole thing is like, what Charlie's doing is not cool. It's generally shit. Mm. But then, you know, in that episode, Kirk's being like, now yeah, whatever, with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of moments that really detract from the overall message um, though I, I guess unlike Charlie X, this one was less focused on saying anything about mm. about assault or consent or anything. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was more about you know that ph- philosophical idea of like I guess what is a human capable of? Mm. Because the existence of the evil Kirk does imply that at some level, regular Kirk is capable of that. Like yeah, that exists within him. Yeah, and like that was what was truly troubling. And just 
um, bringing it back to links with the Charlie X episode. Uh, in Charlie X, there's that sort of ticking time that they need to solve the problem by because the ship's about to crash into the mm. planet. Similar in this episode, there's the ticking time where there are um, four explorers left on the planet because they don't want to beam them up because obviously the transporting unit is like fucked. And they say after dark, the temperature drops to like some stupidly cold temperature that humans can't survive in. So they need to solve this like good Kirk, evil Kirk problem um, before like Mr. Solo and all the other guys freeze to death, which again, no one is concerned by. Everyone's taking their time. No one's really that concerned. Mm. Like, well, Spock's quite concerned. That's why he's pressuring them to kind of finish it off. Oh but yeah. In relation to that B plot, the original writer of the episode thought that that B plot sucked and detracted from the overall thing. I mean that that writer in particular was against B plots in general. Mm. I quite like them. You know, it's fun to have that. It adds like an element of like you need to solve this now. Yeah. Because, you know, there was there's a lot of, like, different ways that they could put Kirk back together and they could have mulled over it for ages. But, like, having that B-plot, which is like, no, you have, like, a definite time where you need to solve this problem before we can bring these guys back on the ship. Mm. Um, yeah. There weren't as many... There were some moments of humour, which I found interesting. And they were, again, mostly with evil Kirk, which I found really interesting. Like, it's when you cut to him and he's, like, lit in this really freaky way and, like... Well, I don't think it's supposed to be fun. It was funny. It, it may have been funny, but it, was it wasn't funny. supposed to be. Yeah, and I think, what's the, what does that say about me? That, like, <laughs> I can still laugh at Evil, evil Kirk? I was yeah. going to say Evil Spock. I get the mix up. <laughs> I'm trying to think of... Oh, can we... I think there needs to be another segment that I'm going to introduce in this sure. episode. Which is Horniest Moment. Yeah. Can we talk about the horniest moment in this episode? There are a couple, I think, actually. I've got what I think is my horniest moment in the episode. And you can talk about yours and we'll see if they're the same. Okay. So I think the horniest moment in the episode is when good Kirk goes back to his quarters after coming back. Uh, He's feeling a bit dizzy. He's not sure what's wrong. We haven't figured out that evil Kirk exists yet. And he's like, shirtless. And Mr. Spock comes in and goes, oh, I thought I'd like come in and check on you and there's so much tension between mm-hmm. Spock and Kirk and I like I'm, every episode I'm now understanding why they're shipped together so commonly because like one of the words that he says it's just, it's it's full of like not even innuendo but just sort of like suggestion it's very suggestive yeah I, I think that scene and that was also going to be my vote uh-huh uh-huh it, it, it really shows how much Spock cares about Kirk and respects him. It's like so, that level of feeling is so intense. Mm. But obviously, for a Vulcan, it's it's all very like, you know, what makes him a good captain? Mm, we've got to keep you safe, captain. Mm, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and maybe it's that caring and that like, yeah, that genuine like care for what Kirk is going and how he's feeling is part of what makes it so horny. Yeah. I think a runner-up, there were a few moments between the two Kirks, I think. Yes. I think yeah. we need to talk about the sexual tension between good Kirk and evil Kirk. Purely just for the innuendo, I think, where um, <laughs> where good Kirk was like, I don't know if I can welcome him back inside me. He's, he's too much of an animal. Which was um, interesting. but mm, I think the Kirks definitely wanted to bone. Yeah. But they didn't have the time. 
For sure. Um, actually, just to circle back to your comment about the time pressure plot. Yes. They did mention that, like, they kind of implied that both Kirks were dying um, over time. So, I mean, there was already that time pressure there. So, mm. and honestly, the B plot only added Sulu making a couple of irritating jokes, like, <laughs> which makes you think that um, Sulu would absolutely be cracking constant coronavirus jokes. Um, and you'd just be like, no, stop, don't. <laughs> what are the comments that he makes? He's like, oh, can... oh, it's not exactly balmy down here while he's like chattering his teeth. Yeah. And like, oh, could you lower some coffee down on a rope? Like, yeah. yeah. No, Sulu, that's not how spaceships work. <laughs> what do you think some of Sulu's, like, coronavirus content would be? Oh, God. Um, just probably, like, probably, like, I don't know. Or, better stay away from those Mexican beers for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great George Takai voice. Thank well you. Done. Thank you so much. I think you need to, like, reveal how good you are at doing impressions on the podcast. Oh, but I'm shy. Oh, you're shy. Could like you a, I'm like good Kirk. I'm too shy. You're too shy. Could you do a spark? Um, uh, fuck. What's a what's a line? I need like a line to say. Okay, wait. Captain, I f- no. I'm doing solo again. Wait, Captain. I find it logical to inform you that I am very much gay for you. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. We'll get you to do impressions for every character over the course of the pod. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Like there, there are some in later episodes that I can definitely do. Uh huh. Later series, rather. So mm-hmm. we'll get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patrick Stewart's like an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't met him yet. No. Well, but you know what Patrick Stewart sounds like. I think so. Yeah. You think so? I think so. See, here's the thing. Here's what makes the dynamic between us on this pod really good. Mm -hmm. You remember everything, and I don't remember anything. Right. And, like, that's where the tension of the pod lies. Right, Of, like, us trying to find some sort of middle ground. But, but wait, wait. You know who Patrick Stewart is, right? Yeah, Eggman. Yeah. What? Eggman. He looks like an egg. Let's get back to the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But here's the thing. So, I, I don't know what else happens. Like, there's... They, there's some sort of tech problem as well that I don't care about. It's the transporter. It's, it's why they can't beam up people. Oh, they what's can't a transporter? Oh, yeah, the zappy thing. <laughs> the thing that transports them? <laughs> Clues in the name. <laughs> um, it's actually really interesting because I was thinking about this. Evil Kirk spends a lot of the episode being restrained to a bed because the episode's not about him running around the ship terrorising everyone. It happens a little bit. Yeah. But it's, it's more about that... The, the, it's more about the philosophical idea. It's it's a very philosophical episode of Star Trek, more mm-hmm. so than the previous four, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think was interesting. Like it, it wasn't so much about the action in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, like I said, it was very sort of lacking action. It was a lot. It was it was a very cerebral episode, if you will. Yeah, definitely. You know what's really frustrating is I I, I was very encaptured encaptured I was very enraptured enraptured interested by um, evil Kirk's mannerisms like he and here's the thing mm-hmm. I studied like theatre at university wow. I should yeah brag right yeah, yeah. Um, which might might be part of the reason why I'm currently unemployed ah. but. I want to know, like, the perfect way to describe his mannerisms. Like, he is very absurd 
Um, the shots to his face, they take these strange angles and he's pulling these weird faces and like scurrying around. Like he's got his, it's very bizarre. And I think like Star Trek in general of what I've seen is bizarre and it is absurd and it is mm-hmm. strange, but this takes it to a whole new level. Um, and I think part of that is raised by the sort of soundtrack as well. Like, again, it's that constant kind of, there's a constant soundtrack. And, like, it gets to the point where you're halfway through an episode and you don't even really notice it, but there's this constant, like, humming and, like, what I think is meant to be the ship sounds, but then it's musical in a way. And then the um, intercom sound, that whistle, yeah, is so musical. Like, there's an all that is very strange and adds this layer of and so much of that is to do with the design as well like those those pastel fades in the background of every scene and um yeah it's all kind of adds this sort of other world i mean it's otherworldly it's in space Space. in the future i just i don't even know if i've got like an opinion about that i'm just like i don't think i've seen anything like it before it's yeah i um look i haven't watched a lot of um television from that period Mm. um but i mean I think it's I think it's a lot how yeah it's 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 how TV looks back then I think I don't even know if it is though and like I'm not an informed participant in this by any stretch. We've established that neither of us are. <laughs> but like I think the only thing I've watched from like a similar era is like the Brady Bunch, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have that vibe at all. It is a lot. You know, it's filmed in like a normal house and everything, so yeah, that makes a lot more sense. This has definitely got a stranger vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right in that it felt like a pretty yeah not a lot happened um, how many terriers in a dog suit out of five would you rate this episode well I know we just we just basically just like decided that it, there wasn't a lot in it but I don't think it was bad that there wasn't a lot in it because it because it was a very philosophical episode I think it was actually quite good so I'm going to give it four Four terriers in little four? alien costumes. Yeah. Okay. No, I need an explanation as to why four. Why four? I just think it was really interesting, and just I, I just like the implication that that humans, you know, I guess it's up to you whether they just meant Kirk or humans in general, but the fact that humans have like the capacity to be really evil is just kept in check by like a different part of their personality. It's just it's just very sinister and dark, and I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it two. Not my favourite. Very content light. Um, I think the, like, attack on Yeoman Rand was excessive and unnecessary. I think that, like, a lot of the talk about, like, oh, we've all got this good and bad inside of us and we need the bad as much as we need the good was interesting but, like, was not enough to drive a 50-minute episode. I think that, like... I want to go back to the moments of like Star Trek episodes that I really enjoyed where it was like this and then this and then a twist and then like someone has something funny to say and everyone was very serious very concerned as as you would with this sort of thing Mm. but there wasn't and I think they were trying to add these moments of levity with Sulu with his little fucking dumbass interjections while he's like I'm a bit cold but it wasn't enough to add like interest and ups and downs it was all very and it felt for me it was very emotionally stagnant because it was all on the same level of like oh no there's bad bad kirk we're stressed about it he's awful and like we need to get him back together with good kirk um and they do that by putting him back in the transporter 
and holding him in the nowhere land where they live and then bringing him back again and then he gets smushed back together. I don't know. I don't think it was the strongest episode. And I think that's why I don't want to give it like a three or four like I did with some of the episodes that I really liked. I haven't had a five star yet, but mm-hmm. I definitely think it's a two. I don't think it really carried. And I think especially now that I'm a Star Trek connoisseur and seeing five whole episodes, I don't think it's the best. And I think they could do better. No, but compare it to, for example, mm. When No Man Has Gone Before, which was truly a slog. And I don't recall what I gave that, but... I think whatever I gave it was too high. Which one was that one again? It was the second pilot. It was, it was the pilot with Kirk in it. It was the one where Mitchell becomes a god. Oh, yeah. And that was similar in that it was a really serious sci-fi thing about human nature. But it wasn't very good. It was uh, hard to get yes, through. It was, but it had twists and turns. Mm-hmm. It, it had the reveal of the woman also being godlike. It had that hilarious moment where he, like, built a grave as, like, a threat, which I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It had a good fight scene in it. It had some good, like, beautiful, like, the zap that he did where everyone went on multicolored. Love that. You got to see more of an alien planet. I think it had a lot more... You know when he's, like, they're zapping each other and they go all, like, multicolored? Oh, yep, and yep, they, yep, yep. There's all the colors. Like, that was beautiful. And, like, it had that that visual element of it as well was the majority of this was on the ship with like hmm. Kirk like attacking Yeoman Rand and it's implied again for the second time that he's got this uncontrollable sexual urge towards Yeoman Rand who is working directly underneath him mm-hmm. which is incredibly uncomfortable and like in a previous in the episode where they all got drunk and he's all like was it that one or one of the previous ones where he's like... Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the, the drunk virus. The drunk one where he's like, oh, like, I'm obsessed with Yeoman Rand, but I can never have her. Yeah. And that is troubling, but it, there's, there's an air of innocence to it because he's like, he recognises that it's not appropriate and he has to consciously rein that in. But what he's reining in is basically just like a, a, um, a harmless longing. Um, which is not ideal in a workplace, but, you know, it's kind of okay because he's identifying that and, and reining it in. But in this one, he's, he's split into these two characters and rather than that being just like a harmless longing, it's like an aggressive and um, dangerous mm. force that seeks to do like active and irreparable harm towards Yeoman Rand. And not only is that not addressed with Yeoman Rand, but it's also then implied that Kirk has this inside of him all the time. And this very weak, quote-unquote, good version of himself has to, like, rein that in. And those two dichotomies live inside of him all the time. And what does that say about what the show thinks about, A, masculinity, B, sexuality, and three, human nature is really troubling. And while that's like an interesting episode, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's well thought out and I don't enjoy the implications that it has. And especially in a spaceship that's meant to be this utopia. And I understand that it's it's a product of its time and that it's going to be problematic. But I think especially coming at it from, you know, a perspective of 2020, where you know we've had the and i you know this isn't a political podcast and nor should it be because i don't know anything about anything but you know 
with the whole Me Too thing. Like, it's just, it not only, but I think even before that, it would have been problematic. I'm ready for a fun episode again. And I feel like I say that, that after every series episode. Yeah, yeah. I want a fun jaunt where they have to, like, shoot some aliens or something. We haven't seen enough, we haven't seen any aliens apart from the dog. Yes. And, and um, Spock, but he doesn't count. And the Thetians. Oh, yeah, the Thespians, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The green... But they were just green floating heads. And we saw them for, like, two seconds. I want some aliens. I want, oh, and the man trap. Yeah. I want some better... I want some more aliens. I want to zap some aliens. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing a great job on these, like, ethics fronts. Not yet, anyway. I was definitely going to say something about that, but... Say it. No, I've forgotten now. You've forgotten it? There was a long rant. <laughs> I had so many thoughts. Yeah. No, no, I got it. So, I mean, when you break it down to his feelings for um, Janice, mm. is that, and you know what, that's a good point in that, yes, it does conflict with, with the utopian ideal. And I think I said this previously, in which Gene Roddenberry envisioned that there wasn't any kind of drama between people, but there doesn't really, like, I've read that somewhere, but it doesn't really play out, really. No. Like, there is tension. And Yeoman Brand has to live with the fact the man that she works with in close proximity to every single day, that there's a part of him that wants to like attack her. Right. So yeah, I can totally understand like the, the way they handled the ending where they're just kind of like, Yeoman Rand comes up to Kirk and says, I just wanted to say, and then he just cuts her off and goes, thank you, Yeoman. Like, I don't think he knows what she was going to say, but he just assumed it was complimentary towards him. Mm. So that was all handled terribly. And I would support Yeoman Rand's getting a transfer to a ship mm. that doesn't have the guy there. That sure, maybe in his like regular form where he's not fucked up by a transport accident, he wouldn't want to assault her. But the fact is that someone that looked exactly like him did so. Mm. So that's a whole thing that they should have at least provided her with mental health um, support. Anyway. Just anything. Anything. Um, Spock was a real dick at the end, which is really disappointing. Because he's been so good up until now. He has. But I I think the fact that he is capable of that kind of works because the evil Kirk is totally divorced of anything resembling compassion and empathy. Like, all of that is concentrated in in the other Kirk. Like, evil Kirk is like truly just his base instincts only purely mm. self-driven not concerned with anything else um and it and it is definitely quite a sinister view of humans but like this is 2020 we know humans are capable of some shitty stuff mm. um so i think and you know it even goes back to like um jacqueline hyde so it's, it's like a it's like a a really well-trod idea in in literature that that yeah at some level humans are or can be monsters so I, I do like that aspect of it, um, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Um, well, you have successfully defended your four out of five stars. Boom. I still stand by mine. That's fair. Uh, we, we can respect differing opinions. Art is subjective, I've heard. It is. Would we say Star Trek is art? I would. Cool. <laughs> um, okay. I think that's, yeah. What are your final thoughts? Final takeaways? Final thoughts. I thought this was the first... Oh, actually, I'd say Charlie X is a good philosophical episode about human nature. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was also a good human nature episode. And I thought it was much better than, than Where No Man Has Gone Before. Mm-hmm. 
all in all, I, I liked it. I liked it, and and I will say, this episode crops up in a lot of in a lot of top tens. What? Yeah, yeah. So disagree. I'm gonna go onto some Star Trek forums and fight some people. I'm like, I've watched five episodes. I'm an expert. No, I'm gonna fight you. The weight of public opinion is behind me. So. I hate that. Yeah. And I hate that you know that and I know nothing about the world of Star Trek. I feel like I'm going to get more and more exposed to the culture of Star Trek and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I just hope that Yeoman Rand gets transferred to another spaceship that's run by all women and she gets to be the boss bitch that she was born to be. Um, not a super fan of this episode. Uh, the only thing that saves it is the cute little Dogorombo that's in that <laughs> little fursuit with a horn and antennas. Um which is almost completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the Star Trek that I've learned to know. Yeah, the goofiness. Yeah, yeah. the goofiness. There's, there's more of that ahead. Okay, great. Um, I think as well, am I, how close am I to being like a full Trekkie now? You you remembered things. You remembered the term Vulcan nerve pin. I which... did! Because um, uh, uh, Spock does come up behind Evil Kirk and does the Vulcan nerve pinch mm-hmm. to subdue him. Which, in, in terms of production, was the first time they did that. Um, because this basically the script said um, Spock was just going to bonk Evil Kirk on the head. Mm-hmm. You know, go to horny jail, bonk. Um, <laughs> It just keeps being relevant, that one. Yeah. Um, but I think Leonard Nimoy was like, Spock wouldn't just hit someone with a phaser. And it's interesting, like, remember previous episode, he was, the, the drunkenness was supposed to manifest in him just letting someone draw a moustache on him. Yeah. But then he was like, no, I want to do a scene where I cry. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great that even this early on, Leonard Nimoy had a sense of what would make Spock a better character. And... Mm. And like, like, so quickly made it into a fan favorite. You know, significantly through Leonard Nimoy's input. I do like because he's very calm as well. He just sort of walks up behind Evil Kirk and just like holds his neck and he like claps. And it's a great way to sort of like disarm someone mm. without. And it, it's implied that it doesn't hurt them either. Like it's just a little like you're asleep now. And and that's I like that. Um, it would great be, be great if Leonard Nimoy used some of that power to make. Spock a good guy at the end of the episode, but oh. no, apparently that's a bit beyond old mate Lenny. But yeah, I I did remember the Vulcan nerve pinch, and I did say that when we watched it. Yeah, yeah, no, you got the term exactly right. Ooh. Yeah, so so your Trekkie level is like increasing, but I'd say it's at phaser setting two. How many phaser settings are there? I don't know. <laughs> I know that there's stun and kill. Um, those are two extremes. Yeah, no, totally. But it's also got like rock heat setting and disintegrate wall setting, which we'll, which we'll see later on. We'll get on to. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what's the... So I've heard... So I've started telling people that we're doing this podcast, even though it hasn't been released yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we will release this pod. One day. One day. <laughs> um, and um, my partner, Finn friend of the pod mm-hmm. has mentioned this next episode and every time he mentions it I'm like no I've got to watch it fresh I've got to come with fresh eyes but it fe- I feel like it's conic I'm sort of infamous somehow so so this episode Mud's Women mm-hmm. um, I love the character Mud I think he's great there's a later episode with him in it which is really fun but the other half of that title mm-hmm. might clue you in as to some of the problems with the next episode. Oh, if it's got women in the title, it's not going to be good, is it? Uh, 
yeah, I, I feel like I need to warn you that, yeah, the next one has its problems. Oh God, I have so many opinions. Look, there's some great ones coming up. Just wait for Balance of Terror when we meet the Romulans. <laughs> They're cool. You're trying to get me excited about something I don't have any experience Romulans. with. Romulans. Romulans. I don't know who they are. I'm going to get their name wrong as well. I'm going to call them like Romulus. I mean, they're space Romans, so... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Whatever works. All right. Well, until next time, we're still going to be... Out of our Vulcan mind. Hey, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, I'm picking up. Cool. We're done. Done. I'm going to make us some dinner.